It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hi, it's great to be here again. Just wondering, what pets do you have at home? I mean, I'm not a big pet man, mostly because you get too close to them and then something happens, they die and you get all emotional and eyes cry and that sort of stuff. But I discovered that in America, in North America, they actually have pet snakes. Now, I don't know what you do with a pet snake, but they have, they actually have, a lot of people have bow constrictors. Now, how do you take a bow constrictor for a walk? Imagine walking down the street with one. You know, he's got to put a sign up as it walks across the road because it takes so long to sliver across. Or you're outside a coffee shop, tie your little snake, your bow constrictor up there and someone comes to stroke it and all of a sudden their hand gets ripped off. But I found out something about these snakes. Did you know, and you may not, that bow restrictors generally grow from four metres to six metres long, which is huge. But they discovered that when you have them in captivity, especially when people keep them as pets, they actually only grow up to 2.4 metres. And you've got to ask the question, why are they so much smaller when they're in a confined area than when they're in the wild, able just to be as free as they like? And the truth of the matter is, they discovered that bow restrictors will only grow as big as the space that they're in. It's like if you put them in a glass aquarium, they'll just grow to fit within that space. And, and if it's in the wild, it grows much bigger. And I wonder sometimes, I look at myself and I ask you the same question, is do we sometimes do that with God? That we, we put God in a restricted space, a box, and God fits in our box. And we don't see him any bigger than that. That maybe your box or my box might be that God is a certain way and that's all he is. And he's restricted to the size of the box we have. Maybe your size box is that God's a policeman, that he's waiting for you to come down the the highway. He's going to sneak out behind the bush, bring out the camera and catch you doing something wrong that I'm just waiting for God to catch me out so I hide from him because that's as big as the box that I've got God in um, can go. Or maybe he's your Father Christmas. You know, he's a cute Father Christmas that's there and waiting for you to write your requests and he'll send it out to you all wrapped up nicely and you get the brand new gift you've always wanted. Or maybe for you, your God is the God that's just that, that Father you could never please. I mean, it's all, I can never make him happy. Um, and in fact, because I can't make him happy, I'm going to keep a distance from him because I know that I'm probably going to upset him somehow. Or maybe your box of God is that little baby Jesus, all cute and mild and, and sweet and lovely. See, our problem is that we sometimes put God in this picture frame. It's like I take a photograph and I blow it up to A3 size. But then I go and put an A4 or A5 size frame. And all you get is part of who God is. 
And you might move that frame around to his head or to his ears or to whatever that might be. And you just get a small part of who God is. See, too often I think we, we put God into our size world, into our space, and we miss out so much. One of my most favourite stories of Jesus, which means a lot to me, is that Jesus came, um, he grew up to the age of 30 and he was doing amazing miracles all around the place. I mean, he was seeing people who were, who were lame walking. He'd see blind people being able to see again. He saw demons cast out. He was, wherever he went, he just was doing amazing miracles. Yet when he turned up home to his own hometown, he went there and he's, he couldn't do a thing because everybody said, oh, but you're Jesus. You're the son of the carpenter, aren't you? That's right, you're going to be a carpenter because your dad was a carpenter. And they restricted him and it says that he could do nothing. And I wonder sometimes if familiarity actually limits our expectation. That we become so familiar with somebody, we actually don't allow them to actually grow beyond our expectation of them. You know, we, your children or maybe a friend and you just go, oh, yeah, they're always like this. You know, Steve's always like that. Steve's always like this. And we put ourselves or people put us in a particular box and we can't get out of that. Because here's the truth. Expectation becomes our limitation. So in other words, our expectation of God can be the very thing that limits God from being God because we've got no room in our space for that. So in this series that we're looking at at the moment is we're trying to challenge ourselves on could we actually move our expectation to being a God-sized expectation instead of my man-sized expectation? What could happen if we could allow God to be the God, the God of creation, the God that is so big, there's nothing too big for him because he created all things. What if we could allow our minds, which was sometimes hard, but to break the limitations that we have on God? Sometimes it might be things that we've learned that we just put into place that aren't actually true. But God wants us to be able to free our mind, to be able to see him for who he is. What could happen? See, the scripture that Mark has been going through as we looked at this series, um, the you, you know, what is your expectation, is a powerful scripture. We find it in Exodus 34. But let me just give you the, the backstory to that. Because see, what happened is we know that Moses has brought at this stage, because this is the second book of the Bible, and Moses has taken the people of Israel, oh, millions of them, he's taken them out of captivity in Egypt. And they've crossed the Red Sea, and now they're in the wilderness. And obviously, they're a new community They need some boundaries. So Moses goes up the mountain, meets God. God says, this is going to be my Ten Commandments. He gets the chisel out. He gets a tablet that's not an iPad or something like that, like a a bit of rock. And he chisels out the Ten Commandments. Would have taken him a long time. Comes down the mountain, sees everybody who's, they've lost their expectation because they're down there now. They're going, where is this Moses? Where is God? Let's make up our own gods. And they made up their own gods, which is what we do when we start to lose our expectation. We create different gods. 
gods that really aren't going to do anything for us. Moses gets a little bit annoyed. He smashes these tablets and, uh, and gives them a big telling off. And then God comes and speaks to Moses again. He says, Moses, come back up the hill. Get a fresh tablets, fresh bit of rock. Start chiseling on them. And I want you to come up the mountain and meet me. But don't bring anyone with you. Come by yourself. So he goes up the mountain with God. He's at the top there with God. If you could just imagine what this would be like. He's, it's a big mountain, so it's taken him a while. He's got up there carrying these rocks. He's there and God is standing, it says, in front of him. Imagine a God-sized voice. It would have been scary. And he just goes, Yahweh. It was like huge. It would have been loud. And then we pick up in verses 6. It says, Exodus 34, 6, it says, The Lord passed in front of Moses. So he's now walking past him, you know, a bit like the preachers that walk up and down the stage. Walks past him, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord. This is powerful conversation that he's having with Moses. He's got his attention and he's saying, I am, I am the Lord. I am the God Almighty and then he says this, and this is where we're dropping into in this series. It says, I, it says, Yahweh the Lord, the Lord God, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. God says, I want you to know who I am. So that when you know who I am, you can go down and speak to the people about the characteristics of this God. Which, when you consider what the guys, the people from Israel have just done, you would think, well, he would be pretty upset with them right now. Yet here he says, I'm a God of compassion. I'm a God of mercy or favour. And now we're going to go to the subject this week, which is he is slow to anger. Throughout the scripture, and this particular scripture is repeated a number of times through the Bible. But in this particular one, if you have a look at the word slow to anger, another way of saying that is that he is a patient God. When you think of a patient God, I wonder what you think that, that looks like. That doesn't mean he's a weak God. It means that he chooses. To be patient actually takes a lot of strength. He's a God that says, I am a patient God. I am slow to anger. The word patient actually means to suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. Wow, that sounds a little bit like Jesus on the cross. He, he wasn't anxious, but he suffered for us. But it says that he is a God that is patient. Now you're going to say, well, hang on a minute, I've seen you... Anger, he's not slow to anger, but through the scripture, look at the things he did. My goodness, he, he turned a, a city into salt. He, he, was, he seemed like a pretty, done some pretty crazy things, wiped out armies, wiped out people groups. Um, he could be seen as quite an angry God. And even some people re, remember the story of Jesus when he turned the tables over. But the concept with God with anger is if he's slow to anger, means that he is intentional. And there are things that get you angry. There's things that have got me angry. I've been to Cambodia to the killing fields and, and sat at the, the um, tree 
And even today, it makes me angry thinking about what they did with the children around this tree in the killing fields. They took babies and I won't tell you what they did, but it makes me angry. I, I get annoyed and think that someone would do that, but then I get angry at myself because I'm sitting there by myself at this tree with tears in my eyes thinking of what would happen. But the thing that hit me was, if I had been one of those soldiers, if I had been in that particular people group, would I have done that? That's a scary thought because that makes me angry then about me. But you see, it says here that God is slow to anger. In other words, he holds that back. He's got a righteous anger, but you see, he's got a righteous anger that desires the best for you, for I, for mankind. That's his heart. He is a patient God who waits upon us. He waits for us and he desires, he even suffers for us that we might engage with him. Yeah, King David in the, in the Bible, he wrote a bunch of Psalms and he wrote Psalm 103 and he repeats this phrase again. He says um, in Psalm 103 verse 7, he says, he revealed, talking about God, his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. See, the Lord is compassionate. Mark talked about that. He is merciful. Favor, Mark talked about that. Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love, which you'll talk about next week. But then it says this, he will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. Why? Because of Jesus Christ, because Christ died on the cross. David is predicting this um, event because he's actually saying that, that God has actually found a way out for us. That's his patience towards you. You know, many of us need to hear this because deep down there's that, that we get caught up with, I'm not good enough and I'm not a good Christian. You know, I, I've gone out, I've done this, I've done that. I, I know inside me how bad I am. But my father, God says, Steve, I'm patient with you. I love that scripture where it says, he stands at the door and knocks. He stands at the door of your life and my life and he doesn't push in. He doesn't shout out and, and, and he stands at the door and he knocks, waiting patiently for you and I to accept everything that he's got for us. Do you see God as a patient God or a God that's given up on you? Do you see a God that, that longs to engage with you or do you feel like the God in my expectation, I'm never going to actually get there? Because he says, I patiently wait for you. He patiently put everything in place for you and I. Remember years ago, I sat in my office. I had a, a girl that had really done some pretty terrible things, really bad things. And, uh, and she was a bit teary. And she, says, she said to me, there is no way God could forgive me. My response was, of course, being a good pastor, of course he forgives you. There's nothing you can do. He'll forgive you if you ask him to forgive you. He will forgive you. She said, Steve, you don't know what I've done. Of which I responded, 
you don't know what he has done. I thought it was a pretty clever response. I didn't even think of that. It just sort of came to my head. And I thought, wow, that was pretty clever, Steve. But it's true, though, isn't it? If we knew what he had done, which was he gave up his life for you and I. He went on a cross. He took the shame. He took the rejection. He took the pain of our lives. He took all the things that we've done that separate us from him. He went on a cross because he's a patient God that patiently draws you and I to him. He comes to you and says, would you? But I want to just go on because you see, he also asks us to pay our patience forward. A patience paid forward is what he's looking for from you and I. There's another verse, it's in Colossians, it was written by Paul to the church in Colossia. He had, actually hadn't been to Colossia at the time, he was actually responding to a friend who'd come to visit Paul when he was in prison. And he says this, he says, since God chose you, that's interesting, God chose you, you didn't choose him, He's actually chosen you and he's waiting for our response to be holy people that he loves. You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. All those things that we've just found out are God. He says, I want you to clothe yourself with me. I want you to clothe and put on patience. See, he is a patient God. He's a mighty God who is patient. And he says, but I want you to not just receive it. I want you to wear it. I want you to put it on. I want it to be part of your life. He wants us to be patient to others. Again, Paul says this in Ephesians 2. He says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Why can I do that? Truth is, I can do that because God did that to me. He's made a lot of allowances for my fumblings, for my mistakes, for those bad thoughts I have, for the times when my mouth speaks before my head thinks, for the times where I've I've been dishonest and I've stretched stories a little bit too much. He actually says, I've made allowances for that, Steve. I've made allowances for those faults that you carry. But he says, I want you now to do that for others. Here's the truth. You know that a child will generally reflect the love and the acceptance that they've felt from their parents. But a child that hasn't felt that love and acceptance will reflect that to others. How many adults have I seen that still struggle to accept others and have a high expectation of others because they had high expectations put on them by family of origin, by friends, by teachers, whatever. And in their life, they've had these high expectations and so they want to pass it on to others. But what if you have an expectation on you that says that God says, I will take what you have and I'll put it on me. I'm a patient God. Would you be patient to others? You know one of the gifts of the Spirit, which is means, based, sorry, the fruit of the Spirit, which means it's a reflection of what God has put in you, a fruit of it, is something that grows out. One of those is patience. But it's one thing to be patient to others. But here's our greatest struggle, is would you pay it forward to yourself? You see, God is patient to you. He accepts you. 
He accepts your faults. He waits upon you. But what about yourself? You see, you could have, you could have lots of people who might say terrible things about you. You might even have lots of people to put you down and put you in a box. But you know the person who is your greatest enemy is the person inside your head. It's the person that's speaking to us inside. I put myself down so much. You don't have to worry about it. I'll do a pretty good job myself. Thank you very much. But quite often, what we find is inside us, we don't give ourselves enough space. We demand upon ourselves and therefore we call ourselves names. We might put ourselves down. But God wants us to be patient to ourselves. So the truth of all of this is this. Your God, my God, the God that we worship and serve, he wants our expectation of him to grow so much deeper, so much broader. And that expectation is that he does and he is patient with you. And he has gone to great lengths over hundreds, thousands of years so that you could be accepted by him, that you would receive his love and acceptance. And you're going to hear more about that next week. But he's been patient with you and he wants you to carry that patience on others, to walk alongside others. I just want to finish off by telling a story that, that I remember hearing. I was watching a video a series on the Bible. And in this video series, I had a testimony. And it's always stuck into my head. And there was a, a guy who was in and out of prison since he was a young fella. He would, he'd go to prison and he'd come out and he'd, he'd offend again and he'd be back in and he'd offend again, he was back in. Constantly going back to prison because he's always being judged for what he's done wrong. And he did some pretty bad things. Until one day, he was caught again and he goes to prison and he walks into his cell and on his bed is this Bible. And because he was sitting in the cell by himself, he thought, well, I might as well read it. He started to read it and as he read it, this, this, it just, he didn't want to put it down. And it became so real to him that all the way through he discovered that God has done everything he possibly can to actually take the condemnation that this man has been carrying all his life that constantly tells him that he's always going to be a prisoner. He's always going to be an offender. He's, that's just his right. And this scripture, as he opened it, it's like God spoke to him personally. And it broke the chain. It broke this inside him, this guilt and this condemnation that he was carrying because God had been patient with him, had waited upon him, was waiting for him to sit down and so he could speak to him through the scripture. And I want to encourage you today. Would you look at what your expectation of God is? And maybe through this series say, Lord, would you help me stretch that? I want to see you as you are, not how I've made you. That you are a God that is patient. You are a God that has poured favour on us. You are a God who is compassionate with us. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. 
If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app.